All right, welcome to episode 30 of the Current Gen Podcast. My name is Tim. I'm here with Daniel. Hello. Hello. Let's get this Bethesda thing out of the way. I'm tired of hearing about it. And I'm here with Derek. Derek, are you feeling okay? A little better. Dude, I felt so bad. So we're recording on a Monday because Derek let us know. We were going to record Sunday night, and he was just not doing great. So I'm glad you're up for recording, at least for a little bit. I want to make sure we cover the... Bethesda acquisition, the ZeniMax acquisition by Microsoft while you're with us. And then if you have to drop off, if you start feeling crappy, just go ahead and leave if you need to. Literally crappy. Literally. I mean, right. it's your own fault for giving yourself an enema. I mean, we didn't ask you to do that. Yeah, what was that about? <laughs> I'm a big fan of Tool. <laughs> that, that, is, that is a great band. So fair yeah, enough. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about a couple of headlines Specifically, of course, the biggest headline being Microsoft's big purchase. A couple little things here and there. I talked about earlier this year one of the games I was excited about, this indie game called Pine, how disappointing it was and how it ran just like trash and the load times were like five minutes or something on the Switch. It was awful. I can't tell you if it was good or bad on PC or elsewhere. I just know on Switch it was a waste of money. But I do know that they just rolled out their 2.0 update, which they're saying is pretty much a total revamp of the not necessarily the game experience like characters and systems but of the technical aspects of the game and they're claiming it has improved load times by more than double and it looks better and they're you know it's just supposed to run a whole lot better on switch and everywhere else so so basically it's being released how it probably should have been released from day honestly even twice as good load times is still too long but we'll see. I'm, cur- I'm curious to see if it's worth money, but you're totally right. This is what should have been. This is a game that should have been delayed. It was really bad. So, I mean, I'm looking um, at the screenshots, Tim. It looks fine, but you should just be paying, playing Genshin Impact with Derek and I is what you should well, We'll talk about that later. We'll talk about stuff we're playing later. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so Pine was a very promising looking indie title with some cool ideas and did not deliver as far as I'm concerned. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I'll try out 2.0 and let you guys know at some point. I know you're dying to know if it's good. Is it um, on the Switch? Or? <clears throat> uh, no, it's on everything. Oh, pretty okay. sure. It's definitely on Switch and PC. I think it's on everything. Um, so, Dan, tell me what you know about Sony from this past week. We haven't talked in about eight days. Anything big from Sony? Uh, not specifically Sony, but a Final Fantasy 16 is intrinsically connected to the PlayStation 5, considering it is an exclusive um just really uh, i mean they just reiterated that 2021 they'll do a big uh info dump so that's Uh great um and i think that's actually um that could potentially be not only just a bunch of info but like actually a release date within the first six months because the game has they confirmed has been uh first six months of 2021 yeah i think i think they'll actually give us a release date to be honest oh Okay, so maybe we'll get a release date then. Right, you're right, not right. Saying yeah. it would release no. in the first. Episode. I think honestly it was going to be, but then this whole COVID thing just threw everything through a loop. Um, wow. Because so you're thinking it's really far along, huh? Well, they've been. So the other main thing is they confirmed that they've been working on it for about four years. Got it. So, Got it. Um, and again with Yoshida's track record 
um, him saving, you know, Final Fantasy fourteen. Um, mm-hmm. I I think as long as however however their workload's going with COVID and working from home and everything, um, you know, if it yep. continues as is or if it even gets better, um, I I think potentially there is um some hope for it coming out. Uh, I, I'm gonna guess late next year. Yeah, I think if they reveal a bunch of details in a release date in the first two months, maybe, then it would make sense that, yeah, this thing's coming out in November, December. But if it's going to be summer that they start giving us, that's what the info dump is, then I'm, I'll am i be shocked if it's 2021. Yeah, they said that uh, pretty early on the website's going to go up that we'll just have just kind of some info on the lore and like characters of the game. Um, yeah, and we'll yeah go this would be there. a strong 2021 holiday game if they're oh, able yeah. to get it out by then so. absolutely yep 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 so that is cool um how long do you think actually you know what? we'll talk about acquisitions later um yeah anything else from sony i think that's it from sony yeah. and nintendo they've been pretty quiet on both of those fronts um oh i did hear that for nintendo that mario kart home circuit thing it is just re- launching with the mario and luigi carts you know yeah. those physical little ro- uh remote cars i assume if it sells really well and there's high demand i think it will sell well i just don't think it will it'll be crazy it's gonna Um, be a hundred bucks so but yeah if it does happen to just blow the doors off and everyone's wanting it then i could see them you know turning their attention back to it and putting out other characters but for right now just expect a two-player mario luigi experience there um yeah let's just jump right into microsoft stuff so this is what i really especially one of the main reasons that we didn't move ahead without Derek while he was sick you know sometimes we'll record if not all of us are available we've got two of us we'll go but i really didn't want to have this conversation without Derek because i'm really curious uh what his take is on this i know both of you are are fans of bethesda actually all three of us are fans of various bethesda and even broader than bethesda properties underneath that zenimax umbrella yeah um but this $7.5 billion acquisition of ZeniMax by Microsoft is the second biggest. And you guys have all probably heard this already. I, I looked it up right yeah. when it happened and I had all these notes down. But then every other podcast I listened to has already covered this. So sorry if this is redundant for some of you. Um, but to be fair, I had these notes down before I heard it. Um, $7.5 billion is the second largest uh, video game related acquisition. And of course, the biggest one is that Chinese company Tencent. Yeah, they bought the Supercell dev, uh, Clash of Clans dev, for eight point six billion. Yeah, if you guys know were... anything about Tencent, go look them up. They that's not a shock. Like yeah, they yeah. have money, they do everything. I didn't know Supercell. I didn't know that was the Clash of Clan people though. That's crazy. Well, it makes sense, right? Clash of Clans was an absolute juggernaut. Yeah. Um, I wonder if that's if that purchase has paid off for them or not. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know if it's still as like I actually was playing that for a bit a while ago. Um, Everyone tried it at least, right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. but um, but anyway, so that was the biggest one. This is the second biggest one. So here's a couple others. I, I wrote these down for just for a little bit of context, and then Derek, I want you to walk us through what what you think about it first, and then we'll give our responses to this, but. So here's a couple uh, other major acquisitions in the video game world and then outside the video game world, just for some context. So 7.5 billion. Okay. So that is 7,500 million just to make sure that we're following. So one tenth of that, just about in 2007, EA bought Bioware and pandemic for about a tenth of that at 775 million. Um, Microsoft bought Rare in 2002 for 375 million. So we're talking about what is that one? That's probably like uh, half a percent. No, 
like 5% of that. I don't even think they got their money back for that. <laughs> I don't think they did either. I think you're right. Um, unless Battletoads is doing bonkers. Who knows? Um, Sony, is Battletoads rare? Anyway, um, Sony bought yeah. Insomniac like, in 2019 for $229 million. Yeah, And I imagine they have made their money back from that one. Yeah, that was a, that was a steal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In the steal. context, that looks like a great deal, right? Yeah. Um, and, of course, just for some context in the larger scale of things um, – just over that eight point, or I'm sorry, that seven point five billion amount. Disney purchased both Marvel and Star Wars for a combined right around eight billion, about four billion yeah. each. That's the most mind-boggling one, to be honest. Yep. So Marvel and Star Wars combined to be just over what Zenimax yeah. was valued at. That's crazy. So just to give you a little bit of context for this purchase, it is one of the most baller aggressive moves that I've seen. I mean, they bought this right during pre-orders for the launch of the next gen consoles that are launching in like seven weeks. I mean, this to me just screams that Microsoft is not done. Anyone who was thinking like Microsoft is slowly bowing out of this thing is wrong, wrong, wrong. So Microsoft is not bowing out. They might be taking different tactics and confusing sometimes, but they are certainly not letting go of the video game wars here. So Derek, give me your first thoughts on this. When you heard about this and what do you think, about this acquisition well as a an xbox fan i was actually super excited i do um i do like zenimax games um which to kind of give some people who maybe they know who bethesda is but they don't know who zenimax is zenimax is basically the owner of like bethesda and a bunch of other publishers um, that are all under this umbrella. Um, I'll look it up while you talk. Yeah, and basically, uh, while I enjoy Bethesda games, this goes beyond Bethesda. I think a lot of the internet's gotten hooked, hung up on Bethesda because they are the biggest publisher out of it. But when we're talking about this purchase, we're talking about now they have rights to the evil within. They have the rights to pray. Um, and several other, uh, Dishonor, several other games, Arcane Studios. Um, so this is huge. We're talking when people, it was funny because a lot of people were making jokes like, Microsoft has no games. Everybody went from saying that to Microsoft now has too many games. Hey, can I just they, give you the rundown here real quick? It's Bethesda, yeah. Elder Scrolls, Fallout, um, of course, and Skyrim and Fallout 4 and some of those being the biggest ones. So, of course, Bethesda. Then ZeniMax Online Studios, which includes Elder Scrolls Online as their biggest title. Arcane Studios, which, of course, they did Prey. They did Dishonored 1 and 2. I'm pretty sure they're also making the Sony-exclusive Deathloop, which is hilarious. Um, I imagine that's going to come to Xbox soon. I want to get your thoughts on that. Maybe not soon, but at some point in the future. Maybe they'll keep the exclusivity in place for a while to follow through on that contract. But... Um, and then an id software, which is massive. I mean, think about this. Bethesda purchased id. I mean, that's a massive thing. Too. That was yeah, a while that ago. was the one I was trying to think of. So, yeah. Um, so they've got Wolfenstein, Doom, Quake, and then all of those spinoffs and sequels for that. Those series, Machine Games, of course, with their Wolfenstein games. Um, Tango Gameworks, which has The Evil Within. Um, other games I'm seeing on here, like The Assignment. Oh, those are those are DLC packs. There's another off. one I think by them that's coming to the PS5. The yeah, that's the um, Ghostwire. Oh, Ghostwire. Yeah, Ghostwire. Which is another one that I don't think is going to be exclusive forever. Maybe for a while. Well, and my it thing depends is, on those contracts. 
And then two more quick yeah, ones, Alpha think, Dog and Roundhouse, which neither one of them, I think they have smaller games. I don't know what, I think they're mainly on mobile and stuff, but go ahead, Derek. Well, what I was going to say is I think uh, a lot of those PlayStation exclusives, even before this deal was done, um, probably, I'm saying probably, so people don't get triggered, were probably just year a year deal. Like, hey, we're co- it's console exclusive, but it probably is not going to be permanently console exclusive. But if it was actually console exclusive, like meaning there wasn't a timed uh, contract into it, then even with Microsoft buying it, I don't think they can override that contract. Mm. So it would still stay that way. Um, But anyways, I, I think that the thing to focus on is this is like you've already set the stage with this is huge. This is a huge purchase. And I think the, the the talking point or the conversation point, and this is where I want you guys to, to put your input in, is there's been a lot of debate. And I think a lot of it, while people will sit there and say, well, but those games are buggy. I don't care. They're all full of crap because they never said this. They would talk about them being buggy. I'm not saying that. <laughs> But they would never say like they didn't care about Bethesda games. Right. And they also pre-order prove, Elder Scrolls and Fallout, right? I mean, they yeah, still love sales them. prove sales numbers prove that people care about Bethesda. Yeah. Um, but now you've got a lot of people that only buy PlayStation products that are, while they won't say they're nervous, clearly are nervous that this is potentially going to stop them from being able to play Bethesda games ever again. Um. Um, unless they buy an Xbox. And again, we're talking about console-only gamers. Of course, we're seeing more and more PC gamers, but at this point, right now, I'm only talking about console gamers. So anyways, the talking point would be, um, do you guys think that Microsoft, with this big of a purchase, is going to eventually move to, because they've not officially said anything, and and I will get into it. I think they've talked very suit talk when when this has been brought up to them mm-hmm. but basically they um have said that they would look at all, all this as case-by-case scenario and so my question is to you is do you think at some point bethesda id software all these games will eventually become or right away become exclusive to xbox and pc meaning we're going to just stop distributing on PlayStation. Once all contracts are done, all that stuff, everything that is not signed with Sony at all would then be cut off from these these what were normally third-party games. Well, those are two different questions, right? To Sony or to Nintendo, right? Because they do put some stuff out in Nintendo. So, Dan, what do you think about Sony? Do you think Sony's done getting a lot of these, if not all? Well... I wish I actually had like um I wish I had read the actual article or maybe it was in a video because I know I think Major Nelson has a podcast right and I think yeah. he had he actually had, the other day had Phil Spencer and Todd Howard on mm-hmm. um so I forget if it was that interview or if it was in a separate article but they said something along the lines of like Bethesda is not that they're independent but like they're still kind of like doing what they want to do like the, the wording was weird but it was something along the lines of well that. i think I don't know that, what that means do with, they yeah. have the freedom to make their games the way they want like microsoft's okay. not going to get involved with telling them 
how much time they have, what Correct. what games they're going to create. Yeah, you have to use this engine. They're not. Gonna yeah, they're gonna. They're just going to give them the freedom to make it however they want. No I free publishing it still though. They still get publishing rights though, so that's where it changes, right? So more yeah, about the still... create. More about the creative control essentially is what you mean. I think yes. so. Okay, um, but on the business side, yeah. that would be handled by Microsoft. Dude, right? you know what's they funny make... is to imagine firing up even like an old cop. Let's just say Skyrim on your PS5. Let's say you get like some kind of you know new generation version of Skyrim on your PS5. And let's be honest, it's going to come <laughs> everything again, of course. And then you fire up your PS5, and then there's a big Microsoft Game Studios or whatever well, it is, just Microsoft logo. Or, or he PS5. does say that I. I... And I was going to mention it later because you know games were playing um, the new Ori. Like that's the first thing that pipes uh, pops up. Uh-huh. Microsoft game. I was like, oh, that's weird. On the Switch, yeah, the Switch. yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Um, I don't um, know. I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, it's it's it really depends on whether Microsoft whether they think it's worth still letting the games come out on PlayStation so they can make more money, or if they just want to do the whole like we're a business move and like nah, you can't have this. And then yeah. also we're putting it on Game Pass, so like just a double blow because then people who sign up for Game Pass they can just you know play that on that service or they can buy the game. Like they have a couple options, and Sony gets nothing. So I mean, it depends, yeah. right? Because I mean, at the end of the day, they're going to want more money, and if they think that selling it on both consoles still is going to make more money on top of them having the Game Pass subscriptions, then you could still see it on PlayStation Five. But if they think yeah. it's not worth it where they can kind of brag about having them then there's you know i don't know i think i mean again back to derek's point about the business side of this at the end of the day i think sony's more interested in the loyalty thing and they want money too of course yeah but microsoft is just interested in the money <laughs> that's how i feel yeah. when it comes to their two approaches to, and nintendo also is very big into the loyalty piece yeah Whereas with Microsoft, they all want to make money, of course, but Microsoft is really just about what's the best strategy for a long-term, really positive bottom line. And I think the best strategy is to keep releasing your games at full price on the PS5 and whatever other consoles, but letting this be another huge uh, pen in your cap or feather in your cap, I guess is the saying, for Game Pass. And so, of course, you would never allow it to be on any other streaming service, right? It's You're never going to see it on PlayStation Now or, or whatever else they might roll out. But I do think the major ones, your Elder Scrolls, your Fallouts, I still think those, and your Dooms and, and your Wolfensteins, I think those will still hit PlayStation 5. I don't know if it'll be day and date with Xbox. Maybe they'll give themselves a head start. But I think they'll still release at least some of them, if not you know, just the major ones. Uh, on other consoles because they're going to get all that money and there's still the more attractive option of hey just come over to our platform on pc or xbox and try it for free with game pass so here's the thing and i mentioned in the last episode even i was like the xbox series s is a great deal um Mm -hmm. i would have that maybe as a backup thing now at this point it's an amazing deal if (laughs) if xbox does just straight up say yeah bethesda games all of the all of those uh developers like you're not going anywhere but but our console then i kind of have to because i love elder scrolls and i love fallout so yeah i'm yeah you would have to get an s my arms are my hands are tied right (laughs) so so i would at least get here Mm -hmm. i i probably differ from you guys a little bit so for for me my thought is um and this is why i think phil spencer is being very careful on how he answers it by saying case by case I do think your 
uh, MMO type games and stuff like that, free to play, all that. Those will come to everything. I do think uh, your next big Elder Scrolls and Fallout and all those things, I do think I'm going to say the first year or two, whatever's coming out probably is going to still hit the PS5, but you're going to see a shift at some point where they cut cut Sony out and they start making these games exclusive. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, my, my answer really when this first happened was two answers. And I know it's not really an answer because I'm basically just leaning both ways, but it's, it's, it's the truth. It's whatever Xbox is looking for. And Tim said, they just want more money. Yes. And you can get that by having it exclusive, and you can also get it by not having a mess. Right. One moves hardware and one it's moves... It's whatever one you're wanting. Like, what is your vision? Now, you can say, well, Microsoft is clearly moving away from, and I've said this before, where they don't care about console sales or winning console sales as much as Sony does. Okay, yeah, that's true. But that was before this deal happened. How do you know they didn't make this deal to... To go, you know what? We want to sell more Series S and more Series X now. We're going to take this even more serious, and we're going to build up our other franchises, Fable and all those. And we're going to have the best mm. collection of first-party exclusives yeah. uh, that anybody yeah. else can. And if you do that, then you take over. You have the potential to take over PlayStation. Dude, look at the look at the releases from Zenimax Media overall. Like the the Microsoft first party lineup would look insane if they kept it first party and That's exclusive. what I'm saying. Yeah. So no, they don't care about like, you know, just flexing their muscles and saying we've got the biggest first party. What they care about is money, but at the end of the day, it's whatever vision in those boardrooms, where do they forecast they're going to get the most money? Is right. it going to be making these exclusives so they can potentially sell not only just more consoles. They Yes, they care about that. But let's be real. With every console sold becomes comes Game Pass. And with every PC player that didn't care about Game Pass, they now care about Game Pass. Yeah. So you're, you're talking if, again, you make this exclusive to um, co- Xbox consoles and Game Pass on, on PC – you're looking at millions and millions of dollars, just billions of dollars, really, over time. Yeah, because you're doing there. hardware and subscriptions. Exactly. Yeah, right. So, And then you've got, obviously, sales because people are still going to buy the games, too. I, I think they have to weigh out how many console sales do we lose by releasing it on PS5 as well. And does that balance out with the money they would make with a huge install base of the PS5? And my game sales? My way of handling it would be make Sony pay up. <laughs> I would, I would definitely release everything on Game Pass and release it day one on Xbox. And then, if PlayStation's going to get my games, which again, if I was the owner, they don't. I'm, I'm making an exclusive. I'm cutting them out on, on every one of them, every single one of them. Even the um, old games, like would you put out old versions? Like well, anything I do, any remakes, any new mm-hmm. IPs, anything. Gotta have I'm Xbox or Game Pass. Yeah. But if I'm not cutting them out, like if, if Microsoft's game plan is not to cut them out, then I at least put six months to a year between releases. Because that's again, gives more incentive. For instance, there's a lot of patient gamers out there that'll be like, you know, I'll just wait. But again, that's usually, that's usually if it's like one game they want. 
when it starts stacking up and you're looking at, okay, I can spend 250 or $300, you know, depending on when they're making this choice to just give in and buy an Xbox series S, um, to get these 10 games that I cannot get on PlayStation or I can't get them until six months to a year from now. That again will impact you getting more Xbox sales while still getting PlayStation only gamers that are willing to wait yeah. their money too. So there's a lot of options they have. That's why I think but you're saying you would go the exclusive route. Let's recapture, the lead, recapture the lead with exclusives. Basically, yes. I, my goal would be not just you know to brag about selling boxes. It's not about that. It's you selling those boxes is what makes you in a way relevant and it makes you a powerhouse. And if you can stack up and have 30 to 40 exclusive titles on your Xbox console that are not coming to PlayStation, that that's what builds up that brand name. And I've talked about it on our podcast podcast several times. I've said it shifted from Nintendo being Nintendo to now games are now like people that don't know anything now it's playstation you could eventually get to a place where xbox takes over that and they become well do you have an xbox are you playing on your xbox again even though you're playing on a playstation you know, so it's interesting it what you're become, saying because you're reminding me that they because i keep thinking all they want is subscriptions because that really is the new modern way of of getting people into your ecosystem they get used to it and even with even with some attrition some folks dropping off on the other side you're retaining so many that you're just going to always make money as long as you keep providing content. But you're bringing up a good point, and that is they'll still have that. They have xCloud for Android devices, and they're working on it with iPhone apparently too. And then they've got Game Pass on PC and on the Xbox. So yeah. they'll, they'll have the ability to maintain that subscription model and perhaps push hardware sales to a level they would never have gotten to before by making things exclusive. And you so got to remember... If you're going to spend $7.5 billion. Yeah, you don't do that to be nice. <laughs> you don't do that to be like, well, PlayStation never plays nice with us. We're going to just keep releasing the games on their consoles. Again, if the numbers clearly point to, yes, we'll make a ton more releasing on PlayStation, they'll drop their pride and do that. But if at the end of the day they see the potential that they will make more and be a bigger, even bigger, they're already a huge impact but even a bigger impact on the games industry by having this, you don't spend 7.5 billion to share your stuff. You spend yeah. that 7.5 billion to say it's ours. They're under our brand. When people, it's like we, we were talking about when Spider-Man, the, the exclusive character in the Avengers game. Yeah. Even though Sony doesn't actually have rights, our own rights to Spider-Man, the game character in that game, they still wanted that exclusive deal because they are trying to, again, we pay attention to all this stuff. We talk about it for our show, but there are a ton of people, probably 90, 95% of the population who has no idea who owns what and what's what. They just go by what they hear, or what they see over and over. And so at some point, their goal is obviously to to brand their name with these with these games and these characters and these worlds that they will then be seen as the owner of all of these titles. Yeah. I felt the same way about that as I do about this. And that is 
if you for some reason get the right leverage or the permission or whatever it is, whether you bought something or just have the right deal in place, even if it annoys me, I get it. Even if it annoys me and I get why Spider-Man was annoying. It's the same thing with, I know Sony really, especially diehard Sony fans who are like, I'm only getting a PS5. Don't care about anything else. Cause I'll get to play pretty much everything. I don't care about Microsoft exclusives. That's a much harder sentence to say now yeah. with, you know, I don't care about Microsoft uh, exclusives again. So Dan, what do you think? What do you think they're going to do in terms of exclusivity with yeah. this thing? Or what would you do if you're in charge? Well, I mean, I just, again, I just want to reiterate, as someone who's literally never bought anything Xbox at all, any products. Mm -hmm. Because you don't love America. Get them out of here. Okay. (laughs) Um, I just like to live here. That's all. Um, I'm I'm going to buy one in the future if these games become exclusive. Like, and again, like some of these um, developers under that umbrella could end up making exclusive games like games, you know, that are just for Xbox, not even part of franchises that new IP. Yeah. New IP. And maybe those are interesting. Um, Yeah. Dude, if machine games is like, Hey, we got a brand new first person shooter IP. We're going to launch at the end of 2021. Everyone's going to be interested because they make amazing games. And then like Jesse mentioned in our group, what if, what if they decided to make a crossover Doom Halo type game, even if it was a multiplayer game or something. Well, I'm not playing that because Halo is dumb, but. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, yeah. yeah I, I, again, it's. I think really at the end of the day, it's. I can't really say if you know hypothetically if I was an exec because I just I would have to look at like all the spreadsheets and the numbers. Right. Like, like how? Yeah. Come, what are what sales are we losing by yeah. cutting Sony out? Yeah. And then on the other side, what hardware where sales do we anticipate losing if yeah. we keep them? In? They kind of. That's why ultimately my answer was both. It's whatever yeah. Microsoft's. Uh, goal is how they see things, but they have multiple options. That's why people that I see them in Unlocked that are definitively saying these games will be exclusive. I I, I actually agree with. I don't them, know. I don't know. But you can't say definitively that's what's going to happen. Well, Just like I see a lot of people in podcast beyond saying there's no way Microsoft can cut this amount amount of money off, dude. You wouldn't pay seven dollars and fifty cents for something and share it with somebody. Okay, you, but why didn't they do that with Minecraft then? Well, because Minecraft never had a sequel. Minecraft is just a living world that's already everywhere. So all they it did is. was buy the rights to it, and then they just they just basically they start bringing the money in and absorb the money. And that's why I said, but I isn't that also it. a system seller? I mean. The only home console that will play Minecraft on your big, nice TV is going to be an Uh, Xbox. You know what? I don't see that as a system seller because I feel like it's one of those. It's just like I don't think you'll ever see a Fortnite 2. And that was why also I thought originally Destiny never wanted to have a Destiny 2. They want to create a games for service, and they never want to change the name. They never want to put a number on it. Because you can just update it. Why did they make Destiny 2? Well, that's because yeah. Destiny didn't do as well as they hoped, so they had to kind of reboot it. Okay, say, so wait a minute. I'm following you. You're saying that things like Elder Scrolls, Fallout 76, Minecraft, they're all in that same bucket of living, breathing worlds that will always be updated, but probably not get a full-on sequel, if ever. It'll be a long time. Those we can keep on everything. Everything else, just for us. That's kind of what you were saying before. Pretty right? much. Like, That's what I believe is going to happen. Although, the th- well, so the thing is, because this isn't just like, all right, they just bought them for $7.5 $7. end of story. Like, there's a lot of 
behind the scenes stuff that like this deal isn't going to be like completely 100% inked for a while. So it also depends on all that legal stuff and, and, and just actually figuring out the monies and all the behind the scenes stuff. Like where does timeline wise, where does that fall? At least for now, say, um, someone's going to move quickly. Cause someone's going to move quickly though. Cause doom eternal is already coming to game pass this week. But I'm saying like Elder Scrolls Six, they're in the middle of making it. How far along they are, we don't know. Right. Um, right. Star. Well, I think Ghostwire and Death Deathloop are gonna be yeah. PlayStation Five exclusives that's for fine. whatever that contract was. Yeah, that's fine. But I'm I'm but, I'm focusing on the two big ones. Uh, is Elder Scrolls Six and is it Star? Starfield. Uh, Starfield, um, which so. they've been working on for years and years apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the deal with those? Because depending on how far along in development they are, mixing in with this whole situation, how does you know how, where is that going to land? And, and where do you think? What if you had to predict right now? Do you think those will be on PS Five? Uh, let's just say within at least a couple months of the other of the main release. I don't know. Do you think it'll it be on depends PS5? on the legality of it. Because like, say Elder Scrolls Six like only is like a couple years away. Let's just say hypothetically it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, this deal takes another, I don't know, nine to 12 months to, to officially, you know, s- sign everything off. Like it, I guess it depends on how far into development they are and like them kind of discussing that with Sony. I don't know. I don't yeah. know what the, I, guess I don't I think don't for that price that Bethesda is going to have, Zenimax has any ability to stop Microsoft at this point. I think 7.5 billion covers pretty much all of that. Yeah. With the exception of like things that have been announced as exclusives, anything else like Elder Scrolls Six, I don't, I don't think any of that is out of Microsoft's hands. Otherwise, why would they pay that much money? Why do you pay that much money if you don't have control over that? I mean, it, well, it depends on. So when they, um, so when Zenimax like sat down at the table and discussed all of this with them, it depends on maybe the, you know. They were like, yeah, sure, you can buy us for 7.5, but here are all the stipulations. Again, if I'm Microsoft, in what world would I accept? Oh, by <laughs> yeah, the way, Elder Scrolls 6 be... can't be controlled by you. Like, that's crazy. Well, Elder Scrolls 7, maybe. Stipulations on games that don't have, like, release dates and stuff like that. Like, they've That's only... why I think Deathloop and Ghostwire are the only exceptions. Yeah, they're opinion. the only ones that have already been announced and already been worked out. I think everything else is off the table. Zenimax has zero control over where anything goes. I'm just throwing so, out hypotheticals. Again, I yeah. don't know because at the I end of the day, either. yeah, like Microsoft could have then turned. I think that's hopeful is what that is. I think that you're hoping. <laughs> well, no, because I already said like if I have to, I, you know, twist my arm is twisted. But um, yeah. yeah, well, at least it's only 300 bucks, I guess. Well, yeah, but again. Well, probably by the time he buys one, he'll be able to get it either used or new around much cheaper. By the yeah, time Elder Scrolls Six it, comes out, for sure. I, I think it's because again, there's just there's so much under that umbrella of Zenimax with Bethesda and everything. It just there's there was obviously a lot of things that were discussed behind the scenes that they haven't actually said out loud for sure what the deal is. Oh, and they won't. I mean, the reason this was announced right now was to get consoles. Oh yeah. I mean, they okay. announced it right before the pre-orders. This was to excite people. Don't get me wrong; people are gonna buy it anyways. Even though let's let's be honest, most of the people that were buying the PS5 and the Xbox Series X aren't even alive. They're just stupid bots. But mm. but <laughs> sure, yeah. But the point is, is that there's a lot of gamers who want both these consoles. So this just only helped intrigue a lot of people. I think for the future, 
Um, yeah. I knew they weren't going to come out and say anything as far as, yeah, everything's, everything's an exclusive or, nope, we're cutting everything off or, no, we're sharing everything. They're not going to give any definitive answers. It's going to be release by release um, or case by case, like Phil said. And I do think Phil said that because you're going to, as time goes on, you're going to pick up on what the case by case really means. Yeah, in some cases, it's like, hey, we have forecasted these kind of sales on PS5. We can't miss that. So then some cases, they might pull the trigger and and not make it exclusive. But I would would say that in terms of the IP they're getting, again, 7.5 billion, Disney bought Marvel for 4 billion. That probably would have been nearly twice that, or at least another billion or two, if they had somehow gotten Spider-Man there too. But also, it's not like it's for a set time period though. So yeah, it's a lot of money. But they they're gonna have them for years and years. I mean, unless down the line something happens. But correct. Um, but what I'm what I'm saying yeah. is there wasn't like all right, you can have this, but we're already gonna put these other movies out. No, they they got to stop anything that wasn't publicly announced, mm. and everything for Star Wars, everything for Marvel, whatever George Lucas was already working on. And, and I think it's the same thing here, unless well, it's already been publicly announced. Well, Elder Scrolls Six and Starfield have. But there's no publishing deals in place is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So there's no actual publishing because those games are so far away. And it's the same thing with Marvel movies. Like anything that was already about to be released that – Well, Bethesda would, just publishes their own games, right? So they just In the be past pu- they have. That's that's why I think it's limited okay. to these two. Well, he's talking about unless it's like officially out there. And I'm not talking about being announced. Yeah, yeah. Like officially out there like uh, – like release year we okay. know stuff about the game that's when you'll figure out like where where it's launching well, and stuff like that right now it's it's in microsoft the, the next game. couple of years are going to be very interesting they really are they really <laughs> are fine. i know people were talking about like but those are going to keep publishing their games that don't mean shiz it like microsoft still has the power mm-hmm. publishers don't get to dictate where things go they just do the publishing. They just do like the the producing the 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 game for launch and all that. The the business side where games are launched and and console exclusive content, all that stuff. That's gonna be that's gonna be decided by Microsoft. I mean, it's like Blizzard and Activision just on a much bigger scale, where Activision is the publisher, but Blizzard still they still publish their own stuff. Okay, kind of, but it's really Activision. Let's be honest. Yeah. Yep. Um, so it's gonna be very similar to that. Um, I do think it's gonna be interesting, like Dan just said, to see how it plays out. Like when the first major announce, let's just say it's um, early 2021, and we get an announcement that hey, Xbox is gonna do another showcase of some kind, and here comes our, you know, we're gonna tell you, talk all about the games coming in 2021 and beyond. That's I think they're gonna have more viewers than ever. People are gonna be dying to know oh, yeah. what they're gonna mark as exclusive, console exclusive, timed ex- like what are they gonna announce and then how is it gonna be fra- you know, um categorized. So uh, I don't think it's gonna be for several months. I'm gonna say early twenty twenty one till we finally get an idea of what they're doing with at least some of the IP. And even then, Dan, like you said, it might not be till twenty twenty way later. Yeah, it could be a long time till we hear <laughs> yeah. details about exclusivity here but in any case it is a major major purchase one of the biggest that i can that i remember who's excited about fallout new vegas 2 by obsidian (laughs) just kidding no there's some great memes showing uh, obsidian and bethesda seeing each other across the room like hey (laughs) you know what i'm actually most excited about to be honest Hmm. is i hope microsoft just bust i hope phil spencer kicks the door open 
and looks Todd Howard right in the face and says, that stupid engine that you've been using for years <laughs> and you just keep sandwiching crap on top of it over and over and using the same damn engine but updating it enough mm. you're done new engine <laughs> throws an engine at him and leaves yeah, I, I would agree I, I really do hope because like sony quality and, control uh, i want quality control i mm. feel like microsoft overall is pretty darn good with their quality control i always why i wouldn't say they're higher than Nintendo and PlayStation, I think they're lower um, when it comes to QC of their video games. Is there has been issues with like gears and and all those stuff where they'll just like struggle. Well, even time. Ori launched with some struggles. It took a while. Exactly, for it to Ori out. wasn't perfect either. Mm-hmm. So, oh, before we move on to whatever's next, I did want to talk about a couple other things that weren't in our notes that I thought was pretty cool. So, there's been a lot of Series X news. Um, there's been news about load times and like backwards compatibility on like how games are running. And this is without, without like a patch, meaning they're just putting the games in or downloading the digital version of them and just playing them off the Xbox series X. And it, <coughs> excuse me, it's improving the games automatically, which was the same thing with the Xbox one X. Yes. If they patched it 4k, obviously they were manually going in and doing it. But even when they wouldn't patch the games, there were still like some improvements. Well, it's much, much greater on the Series X. To kind of give you an example, I'll point out some of the, the major ones. Like, for instance, Xbox Series X load times for games like Red Dead Redemption 2. On the Xbox One X, it was averaging a minute and 35 seconds, which I don't know if they're talking about like if you die or if that's like when they boot you in the world, because I can tell you when they would boot me in the world like that first time, it felt like five minutes. Yeah, um, their load times were slow, at least when you first loaded up. Yeah, slow. so this isn't, you know, it's not going to knock your socks off. It's not like a minute shorter, but it's 52 seconds. So it's 43 seconds saved right there. Um, the Outer Worlds goes from 27 seconds to six. Um wow. The our Sea of Thieves goes from a minute and 21 seconds to 20 seconds. So that did knock a full minute off. <laughs> Dang. Um, SSD for the win. Odyssey drops from a minute and seven seconds to 30 seconds. And Destiny 2 goes from one minute and 52 seconds, which, yes, this is another game that takes way too long, to 43 seconds. That's still too long. <laughs> yes. <laughs> still too long, man. That's and then um, the only other thing I wanted to mention is as far as frames per second, all those games, um, in fact, they use not those games, but a, a lot of games that were being played that, again, were already on the Xbox One X that are now playable on the Series X is games like Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, which on the One X ran at 1800p, and then averaged about 30 frames per second. And there was dips and sometimes a little bit higher and things like that. It is running, again, this is without a patch. It just jumped and bumped the frames per second to 60. And it did it with every single game. So if a game was running at 30 to 40 on um, the Xbox One X, it was jumping it to 60. Monster Hunter World, Hitman, Dead or Alive, these are some of the examples. So you're already seeing an impact just from the uh, console. I expect this is going to happen with the PS5 as well. I'm just mentioning it because this is, again, stuff that's been tested 
for the Series X that actually I think it was just released today. This news was coming out of all these things. Yeah, that's I've been waiting for this for so long. Just like the, it's something we kind of will take for granted once we're in this generation. You go back and play some of the other games. We're just going to be even more impatient because these games are just going to load so fast that it's just going to be absurd. Yeah. So. For me, I've never really cared about load times. Like, I mean, it, like Bloodborne, it got a little annoying because you die a lot. So if it's a game you die a lot, yeah, it definitely gets annoying. Like I just finished, and we'll talk about it later, I just finished playing Mafia Remastered. And when you die, it takes a while for it to like load you back to the screen for you to then have to push A to yeah. tell it to go I'm, ahead and boot you back. Into I'm the telling game. you, dude, when this con- when this generation comes and and all these games are loading within you know I don't know ten seconds, twenty seconds, and then you go and play like you know freaking Destiny on on <laughs> PS4, and it takes a minute plus, you're gonna be like, all right, what's well, what and that's this? why. And I may have mocked people on this show before. It's really ridiculous when people, and I've seen it, so it's not me making it up, where people are like, who cares about backwards compatibility? That's why I have the PS3. And I'm just like, dude, go go on. Go on back to it, buddy. This tells me that you probably <laughs> don't ever use it. You just know you have it. Yeah. Because if you go back and use this crap, PS2, PS3, all this stuff, and even like what you're saying, Daniel, Going back to the PS4 is going to be a pain in the butt. It runs decent now, yeah. but compared to what we're about ready to get with next-gen or even what I'm dealing with with PC because I already have an SSD in my PC, it's 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 much quicker. Everything yeah. happens much, much faster, and it's automatic, and the whole quit resume, we're going to like... We're going to forget that we could only keep one or two things going before on the PS4 and Xbox mm-hmm. One. Now we're going to be able to jump around from five or six things. Like That's the stuff like we're fine with it now that we don't have it. But once we have it and then we try to go back to something that doesn't have it, it it's almost like, oh, I can't go back to that. That's trash. Yep. And by the way, that's something that I don't know that on PC there's an easy way to do. I mean, you can minimize Windows, but your PC is going to keep running that thing. Yeah. Um, there's not really a great kind of sleep and resume mode. Uh, no, uh, not on PC not because until, and that was the whole point of the Steam boxes, until you have all your games in one place and they actually have an OS where it's just built off of where yep. everything's controlled by a controller which yep. that, again, was what the Steam Box was. A lot of people were like, I don't get the point of the Steam Box. It was just so you could play PC games like you would play a console. Right. You would just boot it up with your controller, it would log you into the Steam OS, and you would just move maneuver around with the controller. Boot which up is what's game. happening on the other platforms. People just don't realize it. They're, yeah. they're PCs, but um, yeah. Yep, no, I'm with you. Um, so you mentioned Destiny. I just wanted to mention real quick, the two Destiny expansions, Forsaken and Shadowkeep, are both now available on Game Pass. Um, so if you have Game Pass, you can go download Destiny 2 and have full access to both of those, which Shadowkeep especially I've heard is pretty great. Um, but keep in mind that Destiny 2 Bungie is updating a whole bunch of stuff, and they're removing so much content from destiny 2 and that might be a good thing in some cases maybe it's based on usage and i know they're reintroducing some older areas that are now going to be updated um but anyway it's just very strange it seems like they're removing a lot of content um with some of their updates they're rolling out especially when beyond light comes out in november 
Um, there's going to be a lot of content that you're used to seeing now that's going to be gone as they introduce new stuff. But keep in mind, if you're a Game Pass subscriber, you get access to Forsaken and Shadowkeep right now, and then Beyond Light uh, on the day it releases. I think it's November 10th. So um, there you go. Uh, Which is awesome. Like that's another. Like I'll be honest with you, and I've said it through our text messaging and stuff like that. While I really do want a Series X, the the console I wanted the most is the one that I have pre-order, and that was the PlayStation Five. And that was because at the end of the day, no matter what we talk about specs and all that stuff, it does come down to the games. Yep. And um, when I look at the Xbox Series X, there's really not that much coming out day one that I can't also get on my PC or PS5. So to be able to have something like Destiny, which I'm a fan of, I'm a huge fan of, and have Beyond Light available day one for free, I mean, if you have Game Pass, of course, um, but I'm sure they're going to have some type of free month or something in the purchase of the console. Um but basically, to have that at launch, that's huge. And then obviously, all the other third-party games. Yeah, yeah, that's an that's a big one. That's a, definitely a big one. Um, a couple of other general things. Uh, Dan t- told me I can't talk about this for more than four seconds. So Amazon unveiled a new cloud gaming service called Luna. Go read about it if you want. We're not going to talk about it because we nope. hate Amazon. You exceeded okay. it, so I did yeah. sign up to and see if we're not getting uh, Bezos bucks. So <laughs> <laughs> we're not getting Bezos bucks. What'd you say, Derek? I was. Uh, I did sign up to see if I could get into the beta or whatever they're doing. So yeah. is this basically Stadia? Like, not there's no box, nothing. Like, yeah, yeah. I think it's just like a controller, like X Cloud Stadia. Yeah. Okay. So they do have the their way, own controller, which by the I way looks pretty cool. I don't know. Yeah, the controller looks like it could be cool. Um, yeah. I don't know if this will work or whatever. You know, I do like their price point. Seems to be cheaper than Stadia. Yeah, it's uh, five ninety nine a month for Luna Plus. Yeah. Whereas I think I don't remember because I never actually paid a dime for Stadia, even though I had access to it for like three or four months. I think Stadia is ten bucks, maybe fifteen a month. I think it's ten. Mm, yeah, ten sounds right. And then the biggest thing, the reason why Stadia to me is a fail is not the actual tech in the service. Like it works. But it's it's the pricing. Like, why would I want to buy games that I already own? Because they don't really have anything new or anything like that. Or any exclusives. They have, like, one or two exclusives. Um, why would I want to rebuy games that I already own on other platforms on their platform at a higher price? Meaning, most of those games are on sale or already been dropped in price. Yet, if you go on Stadia, they're, like, 60 bucks. So why am I talking about this? Because if Luna makes the same mistake, they're going to be in the same same spot. Like the reason why Microsoft has an advantage with theirs is basically if you have an Xbox library and you get into xCloud or you get xCloud, you have all that plus game exactly. Pack, obviously, yeah. This is they're trying. See, the thing is, Xbox has ha- had a head start on this already. They've been selling digital games that are attached to your account already, and and Google and Amazon are trying to get in on that. The idea being, if you subscribe to us, and yet it is uh, nine ninety nine a month, by the way, for Stadia Pro, um, then you get access to a collection of games, and they'll try to keep that updated. But also, you can get discounts and sales on purchasing games on the service, and you keep your library here with us on Stadia or on Luna. And they're trying to get into that same game that Microsoft already, I mean, 
they've so sneakily and I think cleverly become the first ones there where you have a full platform that's actually all in the cloud. It's a full cloud-based platform already. Yeah. And tons of us already have a lot of our purchases living in the Microsoft ecosystem. And the yeah. thing is they have exclusives. Like even and if you sit here and you're exactly. like, well, I mean, there's not a lot of exclusive, but they do have exclusives. They do. And yeah. these... the full Halo and Gears yeah. and Ori and Forza, all these franchises. Yeah, like Luna and, and State. Well, Stadia is supposed to have games made just for it, right? But it's like we're not really there yet where there's any sort of like comparison at all. So I don't. I don't know um, what they have. Yeah, and you can play, uh, you can use Game Pass on PC, right? So. Yep. Yeah. So like, there's really no point of these guys. I mean, yeah, five ninety nine is a great price. But I mean, again, you're just playing third party publishing games that you can play on Game Pass. Why not just pay a little more? And then you also have access to the things that Xbox has that no one else will have. So. Yep. Agreed. So. Agreed. So it'll be interesting to see how those things pan out. I think these this is the future of gaming is essentially online platforms. It's just a matter of who's going to get their foot in the door. And right now, Microsoft is almost certainly a long-term player in that. And I wonder who else will get there. I think Sony, of course, has an advantage. They've got the ability to tie your purchases to their you know, PlayStation account. And so long-term, will PlayStation become a PlayStation cloud they, service of some kind. They just so. need to beef up PlayStation now because PlayStation now, you know, because obviously then you have the stable of PlayStation <laughs> exclusive games, but um, they, they need to make everything downloadable. Either you can stream it or you can download it, but yes. it needs to be across the board completely 100% for both options and I decide what I want to do. Yeah, I think they need a complete reworking of that. I know that people who use it and love it, they're like, it's amazing. It's got hundreds of games. I'm not saying it's a bad value yeah but it does not compare to game pass as like an apples to apples comparison one of them playstation now is more of a great backlog service where you can play through a lot of amazing games from over the years um but really nothing you're not going to get the new exclusives from sony there you're not going to get new third party uh deals that all of a sudden show up there day and date you're not going to get that i think they're too afraid to do that yet because the thing is i i think maybe they see what Microsoft's doing and they're like, yeah, we would make a bunch of money having all these people subscribe to this, but maybe mm-hmm. they're afraid of their serve, like the actual, like the, the service itself, like PlayStation now, like their servers right. and the connection issues, like that being up to snuff. Um, to well, I think there's that, that, but I, they know? also would, would, I mean, those who really staunchly defend PlayStation now would argue, cause I've seen these arguments and it, there's probably some weight to them. Um, they would argue that why would we do that when our games are already selling like bonkers? Well, we sell them at full price, yeah. and we why would we lose you know ch- risk losing millions of sales there? And that's not a bad way to look at it. That's true, but so maybe it's a thing where Sony says when our sales get down to this point, then we do this. But by then it might be too late. We'll see. We'll yeah. see. Um. All right. Uh. We don't have to talk about this a lot this time. Maybe as we get closer to launch, we can really dive into how console pre-orders went because we're already at, I want to say we're close to an hour. Yep. It went poorly. So, there you go. <laughs> it went poorly. I'll just give you a quick story for me. I got a notification that GameStop, as everyone did, is going to have a second wave of pre-orders. So I dropped my kids off at school and it was honestly a pretty spontaneous moment. I was actually going to go set up to work at a local coffee shop to do my work from home for that day. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to swing by and see if there's a long line. It was like, but it wasn't quite 9 a.m. yet. I thought maybe I'll get lucky. And I did. The sign on the door, really big, said nine consoles. There'll be nine 
PlayStation 5 is available for pre-order here. And it was also clear this is not going to be available day and date of the console release, but it'll be the very next wave, probably a week later, two weeks later. So it was very clear about those things. And I thought, okay, it'd be kind of cool, though, to still have one right around Thanksgiving, a little after that. Um, so why not? Why not wait for a few hours? I was number nine in line. And I spent two hours there before finally the GameStop guy had arrived. He had unlocked, had gone in to do a couple of things, came back out to hand out essentially line placeholder stickers for everybody. And he only had eight of them and he would not make eye contact with me. So 100% know for sure that he went in there and either got it for himself or someone he knows because he pretended like, Oh yeah, I'm not sure why they wrote nine. It's supposed to be eight. Mm. I was like, I even asked him, I didn't go Karen, Derek. I'm sorry. I should have, <laughs> but I did ask him and everyone else around me kind of laughed and were like, you know, that's what he did. Cause they all felt bad for me. They were actually pretty nice. All the people waiting in line yeah. with me. Um, even the folks, be, even the folks behind be the me were like, dude, that sucks. But, um, so yeah, he, he wouldn't look at me directly. And I even said like, or was it? Cause he goes, it's only eight. I don't know why they wrote that. I was like, or was it nine? And you went ahead and grabbed one for yourself or a buddy. And he just totally ignored me. So um, I think that's what happened. I can't blame him for it. If you're going to work at a place like GameStop, you need some kind of perk. So I'm legitimately, I don't hold it against that guy. I just wish there had been an accurate count uh, on the door. I wouldn't have wasted my morning. So yeah. I did not get a PS5 pre-order locked in just yet. I still think you know, early 2021 is going to be my sweet spot to pick one up. Uh, Cause I do want a digital one. And I'm like, why do I want to spend an extra hundred dollars? And I've already decided there's not a lot of games coming out on the PS five that I can't wait for. So it was just that moment that kind of that spur of the moment excitement. Ooh, maybe I'll get one. Why you're a fake gamer too. <laughs> Jeez. If it were a switch too, I'd be all over it, but uh, absolutely. Hey, real quick, I want to mention this too. I just saw this being talked about today. The Game Awards are confirmed to happen again, but Jeff Keighley is horrible at planning and timing, I think. He's aiming for December 10th, which I think is a dumb time to review games when you're still not even to the end of the year yet. I'm sorry, to give out awards for games at least. Uh, And the cutoff is still going to be sometime in the second half of November. So, I mean, they might miss games like Cyberpunk, uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Godfall, and even the Ubisoft game, the uh, Immortals. I, I just don't understand why. Maybe the there's not enough time to give it a fair shake to then, you know. Right. So, why December 10th is what I want. Uh, why my not? Thing is, I don't know. Why wouldn't you do January or February? Right. Would it be for 2020, and then you give the well, full year. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now. It's the, the Super game Bowl, right? Actually has surpassed cyberpunk as the game I want to play the most and obviously hoping that it's good is that Bugs uh, Phoenix Rising which is going to be a December release it's going to be a great game and it's yeah. probably going to be cut out of game of the year and you go well nope. then it'll just be included in next year's no it but won't <laughs> those games are always forgotten you're talking I'm about a whole year later it's Final Fantasy 15 was forgotten it's next year <laughs> Here's the no thing, though. Like it. the the awards are nice. It's nice to acknowledge the games, but like, does it matter really? If the game sells really well, isn't that what matters more? No, you're right. Okay, in the large scheme of things, no, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But because I'm a big fan of gaming, despite yeah, what yeah. Derek just no, tried course. to say about me, <laughs> I care, and I and I I want there to be a really cool and fun to watch and kind of definitive awards. I like the idea yeah. of having an Oscars for games, and so I want it to be done well, though. No, I so, agree. For sure. And this is not being done well. So I think they should do it like the Oscars, you know, like announce the nominees in January and have the event in February mm-hmm. to give all the people who are voting time to catch up on the I, games they haven't played. Maybe they feel like people are not going to watch in February. They're like, eh, I'm not watching. I don't know. 
Does the Super Bowl happen in February? More people would watch it in February than December. I think so too. Or even if it was January. But you know what? Whatever. I'll put an email together for you. I'll email Jeff Keeley. Thank you. I'll let him know. Please. That's what I was asking. Since your last name is Keeley. Yes. Um, Yeah. That's what I was hoping. Um, That's it for uh, for our headlines this week. It's of course most of it being centered around the um, massive news that Microsoft was. It was so funny. It's like, hey, so I saw a bunch of memes where. Sony leans over and tells Microsoft, like, hey, we got Spider-Man exclusive. And then Microsoft leans back and, like, I bought Bethesda. <laughs> it's just like, oh, snap. Oh, uh, what? So that was major news. I, I did a double take when I first started reading oh, and absolutely. seeing those headlines and tweets popping out. I was like, that can't be right. That must be something else. Um, nope, it is Bethesda. I actually thought it'd be something like Sega or, I don't know, I think Square. I think to get know. Sega, too, though. Well, what will Sony get Square? That was my last follow-up question. Will Sony so. try I, to do something? I think Square is is pretty big on its own. I don't know if it'd want to sell itself. Well, but... So is Bethesda. Yeah, sure. Well, for sure. Yeah, but sure. I think if it was up to Bethesda, they would have never agreed to this. Zenimax is the one that agreed to it. Yeah. Cause... Well, then what about Sony? If they acquire someone, who do you think it would be or should be? Um. I mean, it would be awesome if it was Square, to be honest with you, because then it would just be like, yeah, yeah all Final Fantasies are only on PlayStation. I feel like they need a <laughs> counterpunch to this, um, to be honest with you. I think they need a counterpunch. I mean, it's, Insomniac was that, because now they're making the Spider-Man games, and those games are going to sell bananas. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's true. And they that's and they true. barely paid them anything for them. That's what's insane. Like, two hundred. Yeah. what was it, $239 million? Well, um, to be fair, they bought them at a time when Insomniac yeah. was not doing good. Sure. And it wasn't just because um, they released games on Xbox. It was because the games weren't, ooh, to I me, higher quality. Uh, Got it. Sony should buy Capcom. Uh, that would be amazing. Or or buy, um, don't even buy Konami because Konami can go suck a bag. Buy their you know IPs. But buy yeah. their IPs. Because yeah. F, F Konami. So just buy their now, IPs. To me, that would be a great counterpunch, yeah. right? Would be uh, Capcom's now part of the family of Sony Studios or or maybe some of the Konami IP, you know, Metal Gear Solid or Castlevania or whatever. Castlevania, Silent the, Hill. Yeah, they're now being brought into our Microsoft, or our Sony Studios. Like some of that stuff would be exciting to see, but I don't think we will. I think Sony's pretty content. They, and by the way, they've got a great oh, yeah. stable of studios. I'm not trying to pretend like they need more because their IP, their exclusive IP, are already amazing. But um, who knows? Like we've all talked about already. Like they could find themselves being horribly outgunned by Microsoft in the next couple I mean, of years, or it could be very quiet. So we'll see. Here's the thing. Sony's been beating Microsoft at this game for so many years. It's about time Microsoft caught up and, and did this. So now, now it's, yeah. now it's just even because Bethesda yeah. was a get. So there's <laughs> a big get. Now they're a, a little get. bit more of an, on an even plane, you know? Well, even maybe, but I'll tell you what, all the acquisitions that Microsoft has had over the last several years, if those companies ever start finally pumping out games, I think it's, it's an overcorrection. They're actually ahead if they yeah. start pumping out actual games. So um, anyway, we'll see what happens there. Let's talk about a few things that we're playing before we wrap things up and let you boys get to bed. I know it's getting late where you are uh, and it's a school night. Um, How dare you? So Dan, tell me about Genshin impact. You already mentioned it once. Go ahead and tell me about this, uh, this Zelda anime combo. Well, I was trying to play it and then go to bed and then you guys are on was talking about video games i was like god damn it um so derek and i are both playing it um so yeah it it's funny so 
when you see the trailers of it or when we were seeing the trailers of it I, first of all mm-hmm. i thought it was going to be a 60 dollars game it's a free-to-play game um what yeah it's free to play um it's a chinese developer okay um so when i started hearing more information i was like oh okay a, a picture is being painted here so there's there's sort of mmo vibes where there's like a lot of menus and a lot of items that you unlock to go to other menus to do certain things um and definitely some like kind of mobile stuff um there like for example when you go out into the into the world out in the field there's like these little green cloud things that you go up to and basically it spawns enemies um and if you kill those enemies it basically sprouts like this flower that's like a chest and then you have to use like this currency to open that chest and then that currency fills slowly over time or you can use this different currency to refill that other currency (laughs) um so those little things like that, very mobile, you know, mobile game-esque, but mm-hmm. the game is, I think, is pretty fun. It's not on the level of Zelda, I think. Um, it's going to be funny, actually. I'm about to say this. I, I feel like maybe you're going to say something. There's no targeting in this game, Ugh. Um, <laughs> which is funny because I didn't complain about that in Ghost of Tsushima, but I thought it made more sense there. The combat in this is much faster, so I feel like targeting, no targeting is ridiculous. Um, and what else? Uh, yeah, it's just very fast and hectic. There's no targeting. Um, the frame rate is a little wonky. I'm sure Derek would agree. Um, I'm playing on PC, so okay. I haven't ran into any major issues. Oh, okay, good. So then it's just the PS4. The frame rate can be a little wonky sometimes, it but it's could, also... Well, and it, it could be PC too, but I haven't noticed yeah. anything. It could also be the servers too. It could just be like because so many people are coming on. I think they said they. I would think, yeah, that. Yeah. I think that would help. Got it. Um, but yeah, the, really well, I was just the... looking them up to see who they are. It's this company, Miyu? Mihoyo. Mihoyo, yeah. Mihoyo, how, Mihoyo, however you say it. Um, and they've only made two games. This one, and before that, was a game called Honkai Impact Third. Okay, that's a yeah, that's like a mobile game. I, I actually downloaded mobile that on PC. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. I gave it a try, but yeah, the the world is very Zelda. Like it has like a cell shady look. Um, there's even like, is this, it good? It's it's well, considering it's free to play, I think it's actually absolutely worth checking out. Unless you're just okay. you detest anime uh, art styles. I do not, so um, I will try it. I didn't know it was free. I thought it was just cheap. Yeah, okay. I think it's definitely for uh, for free to play. I think it's absolutely worth it. Um, okay. I just don't like I don't like these games where like it needs to be connected. Like it plays like a single yeah. player game. You can do co-op, um, but it like needs to be connected to the service. And I don't like that because, and I, I think gotcha. maybe that's kind of connected to it being free to play. Maybe if it was a $60 game and they just made it so it wasn't connected to any servers or, well, there are games that are $60 that do do that. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I hmm. don't, I don't like that aspect because then, you know, it can get wonky or whatever, but. I, I do so think... is this multiplayer? I missed that part. You, you can do player co-op. So yeah, you're co-op. in your own world. It's your world, but you can yeah. invite people into it. So that's why it has, even though it's free to play, and in, in, you would think free to play would be either loaded with microtransactions or it would be like an MMO. It's not really an MMO. It's your own world. You feel like you're in a single player campaign. And as far as microtransactions go, I don't really see anything. So I feel I mean, you like you don't have to 
yeah, you don't have to like buy like it doesn't make you yeah. feel like you have to buy anything, but it, it is literally there, can download this game and just play the campaign yeah. and enjoy it and for sure. That's it. Like you hmm. don't need to buy anything, you don't have to invite people in, you're not gonna be invaded, no, nobody's gonna bother you. It's just your world and and you actually have like when you log into the game they have the little intro and stuff. Do you have like your little annoying sidekick character? Pi- kind of, like, so it has totally has a feel of a JRPG set in Breath of the Wild's world. Hmm. Yeah, it like, sounds it, like uh, another great. Part, like I really like it. The combat's yeah. better than Breath of the Wild as far as like how fluid it is and how fun it how fun it it could be as far as an action game. I just don't know if yeah. it'll get repetitive. And again, I am a little confused by some of the systems, but I leveled yeah. up to like 17 in like two seconds. Well, they throw <laughs> a lot at you, especially like people who are hopping into the game just now. They're like, oh, you know, newcomers. Here's like a little package of items. Like, there's this a sounds lot- like another scheme by the Chinese government just to get all of our data. <laughs> They're like, come on, American, play for free. To like impact our voting in November. Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. That's because um, whenever there's all kinds of moves that are like Biden. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, I mean, I, I disagree uh, uh, on the combat a little. Like, I think the combat is flashier um, and, and a little bit more fluid. But I think the lack of lock on makes it a little disorienting and a little chaotic sometimes. And oh, now it, you don't like combined, the lock interesting. Well, like I said, it makes more sense in Ghost of Tsushima not being there. This was an exclusive to his PlayStation. It makes more sense in Ghost of Tsushima. on makes sense. It makes more sense in Ghost of Tsushima because it's way slower. So. Hmm. Um, Fair but it also Fair combined enough. with the fact that the... And this is the main thing. My main gripe with the game is you can't configure the um, the buttons however you want. Yeah, the buttons are stupid. Like, yeah, they're very stupid. To interact mm. with the menu is B, and I keep hitting B and leaving. Because I keep hitting A to like do stuff, but I, that actually boots me yeah. out, whereas B actually interacts with whatever menu. Oh, yeah. got it. And on the PS4 yep. controller, it's uh, circle to attack... And then you hold R one to to run, um, and then R two is like the special attack, and then like triangle is is like the stronger attack. Like it, it just the button layout is weird. Like attack should be square. They yeah. should let you remap it. Yeah, that's what yeah. I mean. They they they. they, yeah. they doesn't so now that I've finished Mafia Definitive Edition, I think this is. And I was looking to see if there's any games coming out soon that I was interested in. If this game hooks me, I think this is going to be like my next like you know journey and see how far it takes me and see if I actually do beat the campaign. But who knows? Maybe the next couple times I play it, I'll see it for what it is and just be like, no, I don't care about this. But well, Derek, tell me about Mafia. What do you think about it? You hadn't played it before, right? No, this one I hadn't played. I actually, this is probably the only franchise I've ever done this where I played and beat three first, played and then beat two. two, and then yeah. played and beat the first one. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, so I started up Mafia Definitive Edition Thursday night. I was gone all weekend, and then today I kind of, you know, I was working, but I really wasn't. I was really sick. So I just was like, I'm too sick to even sit at my desk. I'm exhausted. So I just came upstairs to my little gaming den, and I ended up getting hooked and finishing the campaign for uh, Mafia today. And I got to say, it's story-wise, it's... Definitely the best mafia game. 
Agreed. Um, Best story of the Mafia games. Yep. And I also think it's just a really good story, even if it wasn't a Mafia game. Like, it's just really good. Um, there are some things that, you know, you can tell it's dated. Like, I, I felt like they should have focused on certain characters more. Like, they could have fleshed out Sarah more, and they could have fleshed out some other characters more. And even, and I'm not going to spoil it, of course, even the the kind of the twist or whatever, I don't even know if it's really a twist. It was like pretty obvious to me. And it's I, like, yeah, there's a, there's a turn in the middle of the story. Yeah. Like, you know, something's going to happen, mm-hmm. but you're trying to kind of piece it together, like how it's going to happen and who's going to cause things. And, and so I kind of saw it before it happened um, and was like, oh, I know this person's going to do this and that and blah, blah, blah. Um, but overall, like I walked away going, wow, that was such a good story. Combat, I will say this, as somebody who just played Mafia 2 this year and they didn't touch Mafia 2 at all, um, it's a little bit better in the definitive edition to Mon- Mafia 2, but it's still very dated, still feeling. very yeah. clanky and clunky. And um, graphically, again, I'm playing on Xbox One X. Um, I would have preferred to have it on PC, but I got it cheaper on One X. It looks good. It's definitely not native 4K. If it is, I'd be shocked because I can see like the the up-res look to gotcha. it. But overall, I thought it, they did a good job. They made things look good. The voice acting's pretty solid. At first, I'll be honest with you, when I first heard... Uh, uh, not Tommy. Tommy's the main character. Vito. Oh. Not Vito. Vito's uh, the second one. Uh, the two sidekick dudes that are with Tommy. Uh, I'm forgetting their names. Anyways, they both. Yeah, I can't remember names either. They both, when I first heard them, I was like, oh my gosh, who the freak are these guys? But as you play the game, I don't know why they were like really annoying in the beginning. Like, like they sounded like terrible voice actors. But as the game went on, you hear more and more. I was like, oh, these guys kind of fit in this world. Like, even their personalities match the the tone of their voices. Um, they're kind of high-pitched. One of them's real high-pitched. <laughs> um, but Wait, overall, what like... What was that? <laughs> what was that? <laughs> <laughs> but overall, really good experience. So if anybody's on yeah. the fence, it's definitely worth the 40 I mean. I played this one like 15 years ago, and I still have fond memories of it every time I see, saw the case or whatever. See, and that's what I was thinking. After I finished, I was like, man, I'm kind of blown away by it now. And I'm definitely a harsher critic than I was 20 years ago or whenever this game came out, 12 years ago. Yeah. It was um, a great game back then, man. I think yeah. if I would have played it, and I feel like I bought this game and probably started it and just was like, oh, I don't want to play another GTA or something like that. But – um if I would have played it and beat it and experienced the story, I have a feeling I'd be talking about this game like, this is one of the greatest stories of all time. Like, it would have just been ingrained in me because, again, I would have been less of a critic back then. But even with criticisms and, and acknowledging that, yes, this is still, you gotta you got to go into it going, this is still an old game. It still has an old script. It still has old plot points. Whereas back then when they were writing this, I don't, I don't, you know, it's a typical gangster story. Well, and that's right when Sopranos was hitting its peak yeah. on HBO. So they were playing off of that 
pop culture or pop culture popularity as well. Yeah. And I would say we didn't get it as much. Like we hadn't seen that type of stuff as much. Whereas now we've seen it more. Like even as I was actually playing Mafia, I was like, man, I now see where Mafia 2 and 3 stole a lot of things from Mafia. Like stole a lot. I mean, you can go, well, they're sequels, but they're set in different different areas with different characters but they still stole a lot of like even plot yeah. twists plot points that i was like i really like this this is super cool yeah. and it's like well and i'll tell you what that one of this series is quietly becoming one of my favorite franchises i'm like dang i like all three of these games a lot. i really do i i i, I appreciate mafia 3 like their world and mm-hmm. the gameplay the story was pretty competitive. good the story was a great revenge story that had some cool twists too and i like the decision and how like the decisions you made actually impacted the end of the game, but the the more linear stories of Mafia and Mafia Two with the side characters that they had that they get you to care about, and that was what to me they nailed in Mafia. Hmm. I really did care what was going to happen to not only Tommy, who's the main guy, which I already knew what was going to happen to Tommy because I already played Mafia Two, but but also like what was going to happen to the other guys in his crew. That was what I feel like they nailed. Like they made me care about this group. Like I didn't want anything bad to happen to them. I wanted them to just be able to do their thing and and succeed and and grow and, and that be it. Yeah. Excellent game. I do need to try. I'm glad you got it on Xbox. That way I can play it. Uh, I was going to grab it on PC, but I will totally play yeah, yeah. I, I it won't you won't get a much more of an upgraded version on PC. I mean it'll be four K or for you fourteen forty P and you'll get higher frames per second, but it'll play just fine on, on yeah. Xbox. Yeah, I'll, I'll, i have no problem playing it over there. Um going back to a it's funny that you're playing a very modern version of what is almost a twenty year old game and I just played through a <laughs> It was basically this throwback to if, if anyone's ever used the internet back in the '90s, you'll know what this looked like. It was like Windows '95 style, um, kind of an adventure game. It's kind of a puzzle game because you have to kind of go sleuthing through these old um, browsers and and files and stuff like that. In this game called Hypnospace Outlaw, it is a weird game with a wacky story, hmm. and I don't recommend it for everybody. But um, I'll tell you what, it was very creative. Basically, you play this you're basically an online enforcer. Your name is actually enforcer unless you want to change it. And your job is to go see if they're breaking rules of this online community called hypnospace. And, and if they're like stealing songs or using copyrighted images or harassing each other, you, you make money by uh, removing that content and you have, but you have to have a good reason for it. Um, it's not again, not a game I necessarily recommend to everyone, but it was very unique and it's not a very long game either. Um, but very kind of, unique but really really ugly but it's supposed to be ugly so there you go um and i also wanted to mention that i've been playing a lot more ring fit adventure since i got it bro i'm super jacked no i don't look any different (laughs) but um it is fun it does get your heart rate going and it's a dude it is a really creative and um yeah i think very um invent very inventive way to get people moving while also creating a very fun very lightweight kind of RPG adventure where you can level up, you get new moves, all that kind of stuff. There's a little bit of strategy to it. You know, you're diff- basically the, the attacks are grouped by exercise type, which has a color code. And then the enemies you face, if you match up the color code, 
you'll do extra damage to them, things like that. So yeah. it's like, hey, cer- certain levels will have a lot of enemies that are purple, and that means that all the leg exercises will do bonus damage, things mm. like that. So, um, but my kids actually really f- thinking adorable because three of my kids love to. They uh, we don't have rings for everybody, but they'll grab whether it's a toy or a pillow or something and do the exercises with me. Ah. So we're like in a line. <laughs> And they're all doing the exercises with me. Um, they they love it. They love the little mini story and everything. So this it's very creative. Often, like it for since it's come out, like pretty often it's just sold out. Like I know, I know. Find. I think it's it's on the top sales list, all kind of places. But I think it's more about the ring itself being produced than the hardware, of course. Or, I'm sorry, than the software. Um, because that ring is basically a pretty standard exercise ring if you ever used one, where it's got resistance both with pushing and with pulling. Um, and that's the idea. So anyway, it's it's good. It's very creative. It's very Nintendo. <laughs> so um, tell me about Dreamscaper. Who put that one on this list? What's Dreamscaper? That was me. I'm a PC snob, guys. <laughs> uh, so it's actually uh, so it's coming out on the Switch eventually, but they don't have a date yet. Um, but is early access uh, Steam game. Okay. Um, and I don't have a ton to say about it yet, just because I've only played about an hour of it. Um, okay. But I actually really like it. It's um, so it's a roguelite, uh, action RPG roguelite game. Um, so basically, every time you go into the quote unquote dungeons, the layouts are a bit different. There are different items, different weapons, so on and so forth. Um, but the the aesthetic is really cool. So it like the backgrounds kind of look like a painting, um, but there's like a decent amount of detail. Um, and the characters, so the characters are actually a little creepy. You know, those like little wooden kind of mannequin dolls that you can get at like a, a craft store that you like kind of yeah. put stuff on. So like the characters look like that, but like with clothes and hair. So they have no face. I'm looking at images of it now. It looks really unique. Yeah. They have no face, but like, you know, clothes and hair. Um, so, and basically the main character. So from what I gather, the main character, something happened in her past. And I'm sure as you play the game, you find out more about it. Um, so the game opens up with her driving to where she's going to be moving and she's unpacking. Um, you can leave her apartment and go to like, um, a local cafe or a library and there'll be people in there. Um, and when you speak to them, you basically, um, level up sort of your, uh, relationship with that person. And when you level up your relationship with that person, you have like a deeper, there'll be like a little cutscene where they have like a specific conversation and, um, basically as you level up your relationship with that person it gives you benefits for when you um go into the the dream world which is what the game is like the actual dungeons um like it gives you like extra stats um and things like that so that's that's kind of the reasoning for having the conversations with them um but yeah the, the combat isn't complicated um it's not like super amazing but um I think it's really fun. I think it looks really unique. I just, I really liked the look of it. And so I just kind of wanted to try it. It was 20 bucks. So nice. Um, yeah, I think it's pretty cool and it runs decent on my laptop, which is not the best laptop. So, yeah. so it's not super taxing on the system, which is nice. No. Um, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. So I'm, cool. I'm curious to see like how far, cause it's early access. So I don't, I don't hundred percent really know what that means just cause I'm not used to that. I don't know if the story is not complete or if it is, I, I don't really know. They're still putting together something. Yeah. And usually that means that they don't have all the levels on. Like Hades, for example, they over time added new bosses and additional gotcha. levels. And then eventually the ending of the game. And then they were working out bugs for a while. So okay. um, they it must, just depends. They must be close to finishing that because I think they said the Switch version is soon-ish. 
Gotcha. Um, but we'll see. But yeah, yeah. I think it's pretty interesting. Yeah. And then Ori um, will have the Wisps. I mean, that's been out on Xbox, but it finally came out on the Switch. I downloaded it. It's amazing, obviously. Um, mm. The music is just obviously still beautiful and amazing. Um, did you finish the first one? I did. Um, yeah. Okay. So the beginning of the first one definitely had more of an emotional high, like the first Oof. couple of hours. Yeah. Whereas this one, not as much, but I'm I'm Takes still like really enjoying it. So. Yeah, this one does have some of those same punches. They yeah. just they spread them out across the whole game a little more. Where you're right, the first one had so much like yeah. sadness and desperation, and oh my word, what they just do yeah, at yeah, the beginning. Yeah. yeah, but like such a good game. Yeah, it's just it's, is it run? Does it run pretty well on the Switch? Yeah, I haven't had any sort of um, hiccups or stuttering or anything. But obviously, nice. looking at the game, I can tell it's not visually as um, sharp as it would be on Xbox. Um, Are you playing on your TV? Yeah. Nice. Um, but it's still beautiful. Like, it's still a beautiful game. It's just clearly not as sharp as it should be, um, sure. you know, on an Xbox. Right. But you're you're still getting to play it. You're getting to yeah. play an Xbox game without buying an Xbox. That's right. Which is... It feels gross. It feels dirty. <laughs> that is something. That is something. Um, two other quick games I wanted to mention before we wrap things up. One of them I think you guys will be interested in. The other one, maybe not. Um, the one you might not be interested in is Among Us, which is this new hip fad Dude, to bring back a two-year-old game. I want to get a bunch of us to play this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is a game that's been out for a while. They actually had just announced the sequel. And then out of nowhere, and I'm sure there's reasons for it. I haven't dug into them. But the right, I think the right Twitch streamers at the right time started to really play this and get yeah. into it. And then it became a streaming phenomenon. It's like the number one thing right up there with things like Fall Guys and um, you know Fortnite, of course. Yeah. But it's right up at the very top. And basically, here's what it is. There was an old game back in the 80s called Werewolf, and others have taken it and called it things like Mafia. That's what I played in youth group and stuff as a kid. The idea being that you have a deck of cards, and then you hand out cards randomly. And before the game starts, you've already designated, hey, if you get an ace, you're a mafia member. If you get a king, you're a sheriff. If you get a queen, you're whatever. So you have different roles. And otherwise, you're going to be just townspeople. And then this is the this is the kind of party game that I used to play. And the idea being that all these events unfold. Everyone then goes to sleep. When you wake up, the mafia has killed somebody in the middle of the night. And so the idea is to try to figure out through discussion who it was. So this takes that similar concept of using a so, the social dialogue to figure out or social even seeing something yeah. um, to figure out who the killer is on your ship. So you're a bunch of little, you know, kind of alien hominid or castle crashers looking characters and you can put little outfits on them and buy little pets for them and stuff. And you're basically just running around this ship or other environment and trying to act. You have tasks you have to complete. I have to activate this electrical element right here. I have to, you know, align our targeting systems. So you have a list of tasks to, to do unless you are designated to be the imposter that round. And there could be anywhere from one to four imposters. And usually there's about 10 crewmates. I think, you I think two imposters, I, you can, I yeah, think yeah. two imposters, 10 crewmates is the sweet spot. Yeah. I think that's where it's the most fun. Um, but anyway, and you're going around trying to find alone time with individuals where there's no one watching so you can kill them and also trying to sabotage their attempts to get out of there. So you're sabotaging different systems and yep. trying to make sure they don't complete their tasks. So that's basically the two sides. There's two teams. It's can you kill everyone or stop them, you know, sabotage them? And the other side is can you stay alive and either identify the imposters and eject them out into space or complete all your tasks? Yeah. And so... It is a really fun, so so silly, so simple game. 
But what's cool about it is it's free on phone. So there's no excuse for anyone not to at least give it a try to oh, see what all the hubbub phone? is about. It's totally free on huh. phone, but it, you have to watch an ad between rounds. Oh, uh, okay. Um, and so I've actually played it with all my kids. <laughs> We've all gotten on our various <laughs> uh, phone, tablets, and in the same computers room. in the same room and played it. So you can talk, but you can't really say like, yeah. you know. And some of my kids are bad at it. They're like, <gasps> and I'm like, oh, I guess you're the imposter, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, it's just so much fun. And I have had a chance to play with a couple guys in the group, played with Damien, played with Ruby. Oh, dude, let me know. Cause I, I'm totally, I was watching the easy allies play it and they like, were doing it like by the book. Like they had like one of oh, the yeah. screens covered so they couldn't see certain things. And then yep. like, if yep. somebody it found is... a body, they, they did the discuss mode and they were like discussing yep. it. But if they became a ghost, then only the ghosts could talk to each other. Like yeah, that's how it works. Yeah. So yeah, as soon yeah. as you get killed, um, especially if you're in the same room or if you're on discord chat, the best way to play is not to reveal stuff, you know, let people discover stuff on their own, but still in the chat, you know, it's, it was fun to talk trash or even, even lie to each other on chat, which was also fun. Well, that's the thing. You're supposed to be doing that. Yep, exactly. So if any of you listening to this want to be part of this, come join our discord. Um, We actually have set it up through discord a couple different times. Um, and that's where I played with Damien over the weekend. And then just tonight, actually played with Damien and Rudy, uh, several rounds. And then Rudy brought a couple friends in to play. Um, but that's just our current gen discord. So if you search for current gen, you should be able to find it. Also, um, it's on our, it's on our group page. Yeah. So let me know. Cause I, I'm, I actually really want to try it. So we'll get in discord, man. I'm oh there. yeah. You're in there. I'm in there. I see you. I mean, I don't yeah. go in there, but I'm there. <laughs> you should be there. You should start going in there. So, um, said. Yeah, I think Derek fell asleep because he would have said that otherwise. Um, anyway, Among Us is a, I think, very fun party game type of thing. And it's also very easy. Like the concepts are easy to pick up on and play. And then it's not a big commitment. It's not It's not even as long as a round of Rocket League, really. Like, so you don't have to commit too much to, to yeah. give it a try. Yeah, yeah. So maybe at some point we will do a post where it's like, hey, this Wednesday night at this time, we're all going to get online and here's the code or whatever. So it. it's also cross play between PC and phone. All you do is put in a, like a little uh, room code. Um, the reason that they're waiting on consoles and you know Switch and the big consoles is because of the chat feature. Yeah, the, yeah, the discussion yeah. is so important. They're trying to figure out the best way to do that for console players. So yeah. um, we'll see what they do there. But uh, for now, it's on phone and on PC and it works great. And it is not a very taxing game. Most PCs can play this thing. So... Um, last thing I'll mention is Crusader Kings 3. Uh, Derek, I'm pretty sure it was you. It might have been you though, Dan. I think it was Derek who said he watched the last kingdom show on Netflix. That was Derek. Yeah, I watched it. Okay. So crusader Kings three, I'm not kidding is basically the last kingdom, the video game because it is all bet. Well, I shouldn't say all, a lot of it is set back during that exact same time frame where you've got all kinds of different Lords and Dukes and Barons and Kings. And they're trying to establish claims on certain areas of land. And then they declare that claim and they can either try to take it by force or through some kind of marriage that you arrange and you can send gifts and try to woo people. And you, or you can begin a scheme. If you have the right person with the right skill set. they can start a scheme to help, you know, support your claim or to go murder somebody or all kinds of stuff. And uh, you get married, you have kids, you can hire people to raise your kids. And those people could eventually try to sway your kids against you. I mean, it is a full on game of Thrones, last kingdom type world. And it covers all as far West as like Ireland, you know, the, the British isles, and then all the way to the East, to the Eastern coast of China. 
And then it's got areas of Northern Africa and India and up in Russia and Scandinavia, all of these countries. And you can pick two historical time frames, 866 or eight something like 67 or something like that. And then something around the year 1060. And dude, it is fascinating. It is really, really well done. And when your character dies, let's say you die of old age or you get murdered or you die in battle, then whoever your heir is, whoever you decided you appointed as your heir, that's who you play as next. And then you keep on going. So um, does it um does it play like Age of Age of Empires or like a civilization game like that? Or I would say it's a little more Civ than Age of Empires. Okay. Um, just because of the way that you move around and the way the battles work. Gotcha. Uh, it really is a numbers game when it comes to battles. So get a bigger army and make sure you create the right. Like I married off uh, one of the daughters that I had to this king in France, and he and I were like neutral before, but once we got married off. And then I got to call on him for battle, which didn't cost me very much gold. And he brought this massive army and I would not have won that battle without him. So things like that, yeah. that just make you feel really cool. You feel like an actual, like I, you start the tutorial as a petty king. So you don't really have a great claim, but over time you start winning these counties over and then you have a claim to become king of all of Ireland. Then you become a high king. And so it's, dude, it's just so good. It is very in depth. You have to commit to it. I think Derek, you've talked about this before. Some of these strategy games you start up and you're like, dude, there's too many systems. There's too much going on. This is one of those games. There's a ton going on, but if that appeals to any of you listening at all, I mean, it is a fantastic game and it's totally free with game pass on the PC. It's uh, completely nice. free. So Crusader Kings 3 is a incredibly high quality game. Um, very Can be very overwhelming and also very upsetting because I actually, everything kind of crashed and burned with my main king that I had got up to High King of Ireland. Uh, and then I had this uh, these other countries built up a faction against me and they took me down. And so then by the time I took over as an heir, because everyone else had pretty much died, I was left with hardly any land left and I was a vassal of some evil king. So it, it can... It can flip on you quickly if you're not careful, and I was not being very careful. So I hate when I became a vassal. I, you know, yeah, becoming a vassal is the worst. Yeah. So anyway, I, I did want to prop up that one a little bit. It's a game I never would have played without getting a PC, and I'm glad I did because it's just so so high quality. Um, again, it's one of those ones that I'll if, if I I've, I've done two full kind of runs i guess you could call them that i suppose and i could continue if i want to but i feel like that kind of had a, a full story arc with those characters i might do more um when i feel the itch for some strategy stuff but boy you really have to pay attention <laughs> to things yeah um sounds cool. yeah it's it's not like some games where you can literally pick who you want to attack and just go you legitimately have to have a claim or it won't let you declare war on them because the church at that time if you're part of the certain faith, they won't allow you to declare war. So then you have to start paying people off to fabricate a claim, See, things like that. This is why yeah. I'm not religious. I don't have to worry <laughs> about create, them. Tying you can, me down. you can, yeah, you can uh, denounce your faith. You can convert to another religion. You could create your own religion. You could, there's all kinds of things you can, you can use religion, money, love, military power, all kinds of things to c- try to take over control. It's really interesting. So, Highly, highly recommend that one for PC gamers. But hey, we're at an hour and a half. And once Derek falls asleep, I know it's time to call it. Um, but listen, this has been a good one. I liked talking about the Bethesda purchase and uh, and all the other things we have going on. Hopefully, in the coming weeks, I do want to talk a little bit about in detail about how would we roll out pre-orders if we were in control. Like, how, What are some ways that we would see it improve? So we can cover that. I didn't get to unleash my fury, week. so I'm going to have to bottle up my anger until next time. Bottle it up. Yeah, wait till next time. Yep, do it. So, all right, boys, thank you so much for staying up late to chat. Thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Baba boo.